0: Ah, mama, mama, we We made it. What
1: it, what it,
0: what What it it, do, baby, baby that tone on that You like that?
2: It's
0: so much better in person. I love... Oh <laughs> <God. laughs> that I love that. I love that. It's crazy how many people like hear it and, and then they're like, funny. wait, y'all do that live and they wait, like what the fuck just happened? And it's is, is us yelling I at the I wanted to of join in. I wanted to
2: harmonize but that was so
0: cool. Yo, you know what's wild though? <laughs> I was expecting her like harmonies to come in because pre-podcast y'all let's just set the record straight. <laughs> She was like, Look, I'm gonna join y'all in this intro. Yo, I was but that like, was Let's
2: awesome. go. It's okay. If we're failing it, we'll just do it at the end. And Look, if it's natural, I'm it's natural. That. Done. All
0: right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in with us. You did. We got a very special guest. My big sister, Mir Harris, is in the motherfucking building. Mir
3: Harris in Emily. the building.
0: <laughs> and this isn't just a mere coincidence. This is oh. years in the making. You know Tell him, Nushi. Um, I'm extremely excited to go through this journey with you. You're actually one of the very few people that I've been so intrigued to really dive into uh, a deeper part of your early beginnings. Uh, And I'll tell you because like Mira and I have known each other for upwards of like a decade now. Mm. Uh, Naturally just good people propagate and we have very many mutual friends. I was like the young chubby baby in the group. (laughs) Uh, Me too. <laughs> Big ass heart, you know what I'm saying? But, um, you know, Mir, if, for those of you that don't know, is one of the most eclectic, uh, cultured, um, and just energy-induced spirits that mm. I've come across. And she's been somebody that we've really dove into the depths of us and what us as a piece of this whole, like, world means um, and has been very free with these types of conversation, and, and is literally the epitome of what a strong woman looks like. Mm. You know what I'm saying? and What a strong woman embodies. And I'm very, 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 very excited to dive in. So we're about to be swimming through this like Michael Phelps in his prime. Let's <laughs> she Get felt. So without further ado. You're going to make me cry. Stop oh. that. Stop that. Oh. But I got a tissue if you need it or a shoulder <laughs> to lean on. You know uh, what I'm saying? <laughs> Thank you. I'm excited to be here. This yeah. is cool. I really want to dive into your family and your early upbringing because I truly believe that, you know, the way and the nature and nurture of how we're raised really helps build our foundation. And you have an extremely fortified foundation. And I'd love to dive into that.
2: Oh God, I never know where to start. All right, well, I'm originally from the Bay Area, Mm. from Oakland, California. The town. Um, When I was born, my mother was finishing college and entering grad school. Wow. Uh, She went to San Francisco State and to Cal for grad school for a master's in public health. And my father, who was born in Honduras, was in and out of my life early, but he left around the time I was nine. So, really, I had my mom, her family, particularly my grandparents who, when she graduated, I was about, gosh, I want to say six or seven or seven or eight, maybe. I think we moved here when I was nine. Yeah. Seven or eight. And I saw her in school. We lived in student housing on San Pablo in Berkeley. Um, And I went to Vista School. And then when she graduated, we ended up moving to Los Angeles because she got a job at um killer king in (laughs) like random like so it was it was a lot of experiences sorry at once when i was little because i was always exposed to a lot of adults Mm. i was the only child i had a half brother but i never really saw him because my dad wasn't in my life really um and yeah i my grandparents and my mom when we moved out here we moved in with them i went to uh out here being Los Angeles. So yeah. I, I went to public school for a couple years. And then a kid called me the N-word in a class. Stop uh, way. And I had one of those your mom shows up at school to the principal's office yeah. to like tell the administration That's what's right. what moments. And then I went to Crossroads from fourth grade to twelfth grade. Oh which incredible. Crossroads is a affluent public or private school rather in Santa Monica. And it was very small. A lot of Jewish kids, a lot of kids in Hollywood. I had 144 kids in my class. So it was interesting because I'd go to school, go home to like the border of Culver City in LA, like La Siena Rodeo. Yeah. And then I'd go back to the Bay and my family was there. So it was like so many experiences all at once, always yeah. since I was really, really young.
0: What was that like for you? I mean, I know as kids, it's really difficult to see the world any other way than it just presently is right you know what i'm saying we don't kind of notice the the nuances and the intricacies of family life around us if mm-hmm. you will um what was that like for you in the early years and just kind of seeing your mom as you grew like going to school as you were growing up as a kid like were you was it always a hustle and bustle like was yeah. it
2: My mom always says this phrase, um, in the age of the disco, gotta learn how to hustle. And she'll, like, sing it and, like, Uh. do a dance, right? And I think that that's kind of... I even say it to interns that I have and stuff sometimes. I think it's very kind of indicative of that because she's even explained a couple times when I've asked her through my life, like... I was like, when I turned 27 and she had me at 27, I was like, how did you do this? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, kids were a lot to begin with, but a kid like me, like, how... Did you like literally like it was midnight on my birthday and I was like, I'm forever grateful to you. You know, I'm a grateful person. But like, how really? Like, that's a genuine question. Mm. She was like, it was a different time and you do what you have to do. And, you know, learning and schooling was always such a part of my mom's family because of what my grandparents and, you know, their grandparents had gone through. They're from Mississippi and Louisiana New Orleans. Oh, Oh, wow. So it was. It was always drawn into me, like literally from the, from fourth, well, from all my school, from the moment we moved into my grandparents' house till my 12th grade year, till I graduated and went off to college. Every day before my grandfather would go to work, he would yell at me, make all A's. Wow. Like that, like every day, make without, like without fail. Like my grandmother every day would get up, put her makeup on, make him breakfast, read the paper, watch her, you know, the Today Show, whatever. And he would walk out. Okay, bye. Love y'all. Mir, make all A's every day. Wow! And so, like, even when I didn't, it was like a hard. I was hard on myself, mm-hmm. you know, because schooling was everything to them. So, I, I think that I I didn't realize, and it's funny you said conditioning. I didn't realize that till like thirty one. Wow! I'm thirty two now. Like, I didn't realize that till much recently. That I was like, wow! Like, so many things in my childhood, it was almost like, and I'm so anti-soldier, so anti-army, so anti-so many things. But it was like the same type of drilling, absolutely, into me. And I never realized that until more recently when I've re- talked about it. Mm. So I think you talk about things, they click to you. Yeah. More absolutely. than when you're just living them. I even forgot the question. Sorry. Oh,
0: <laughs> no, you, you went right into the question. Oh, I'm about okay. To take but the yeah,
2: you place.
0: know. You know what I'm saying? Dip and dive in Oh, God. We right. like <laughs> to just bob and weave, baby. It's just. All <laughs> right.
2: Let's roll. We're on a
0: ride. What were you like as a child? I mean, because you know, to have this type of character, I feel like it really starts as a seed and like how were you um, as a kid and how was just like school and family and all of the different um, things that you were a part of in your youth even during this transitional phase like what were your dreams as a kid like what were you like as a child and how did all of these things kind of come to develop your being if you will like in that early Mm -hmm. stage
2: you know what's crazy I have a lot of early memories, like I even stop and ask my friends, like, like how, what's the youngest you remember? Like, what's the most intricate memory you remember? You know what I mean? And I even know earlier than them because wow. I think very early I was hyper aware, I was bright. My mom, I give all credit and glory to her because. I think where a lot of parents fear or are like scared for their children in the world, they also add to the conditioning. My mom encouraged it. Mm. Mm. And I even almost find myself doing the same things with like my little cousins since they were young. Cause my whole family, like the holidays from the, you know, the damn newborn almost or the the toddler up to the eldest, my grandparents, it's always like a sparring match of wits. And, it, and what's crazy is seeing it from the younger ones. You're like, no, this is really natural.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and then yeah.
2: all the way to the most educated and most experienced in life. And it's like, whoa, okay, so part of this is genetics. Part of this is what I experience. And then the other part is how I apply it and what I choose to do with what I learn of my purpose kind of thing. And I think being from it, being exposed to so many different people early on, as well as having an environment that encouraged my gifts kind of made things evolve in the way that they did because a big part of it is my mom Like, she told me things like, you are you know, when you're a teenager, you just want to get 21 and be able to, or 18, and be able to do things. And she was always so candid about what doing things really meant that I wasn't one of those rebellious teenagers. I wasn't one of those. Like, she she told me stuff. She's probably going to kill me for saying this because she listens to everything I do. But she told me when I was like, (laughs) we're not editing. (laughs) When I was like 16, maybe around the same time of everything that was happening, she was like, I've tried every drug that there is. So, if you want to try a drug, you might as well come try it with me because at least it'll be safe. That diffuses a, the whole. And then it's like, what? Yeah, like, I, so, uh, uh, I knew So. I knew, I knew about this, too, because his mom did the same
3: thing and how unsexy it instantly becomes. Instantly. instantly. Like, she, she this is not even... rebellious. This is actually now nerdy. Right? <laughs> uncool.
0: Imagine, like, from going to a cut, like, yo, let's drive up this hill or, like, hill, or like go to this. Right? Park like, yo. Right? Like, right? we <laughs> it's all
2: gone. You're like, and what? Then, we can do it with you?
0: Yeah, your mom's like look the first time just buy it with me and you picturing what sitting at the crib smoking a joint with your mom what right. it on let's go to <laughs> yeah. let's look at the ocean Adam Sean how is it <laughs> <laughs> it's the good shit oh my god <laughs> you feel me it just becomes like wait wait you really stop. just ruin that for <laughs> you
2: ruined the whole thing Oh, my God. That's funny that you bring that up. And that just reminded me of, like, what a weird kid I was. I was weird. Dive into that. So, it's funny. This necklace that I had, like, even stuff I wear reminds me of things. Like, this necklace I have says amazingly weird, right? And I was so used to being called weird when I grew up. Like, I was a five-year-old, and I had one of those, like, oh, sorry, I'm so far. I had one of those Fisher Price cars that you Fred Flintstone. Yeah. With the yellow top and the red bottom. So... Classic. When, before we moved to student housing we lived at this place called Bay of Vista by the freeway and my mom like I remember and she would tell me I used to sit and park it right in front of the TV and watch an American Tale with Fievel the, the cartoon yeah, Wild. and Moonwalker mm. back to back to back in, in the whip in the <laughs> like parked Glow on me like the Poltergeist kid wow. and just watch Fifle and Michael Jackson back to back to back. I used to like sit in the back seat in my car seat and pretend stuff like Michael was chasing the car because I was one of the kids and he had to like get me to, you know, save wow. the world and like even the raindrops would become characters and like I just always had A vivid imagination from the car seat and my mom being the crazy stressed out student with a single parent was like feeding into it so like I had no barrier I had Mm. no limitation to my imagination so then being as like powerful and talented as I naturally was and I say that humbly like I'm well aware it's a gift and a curse to have a lot of gifts you know like to be able to do a lot of things and not know where to put that energy towards what you're supposed to yeah, do, kind especially of
0: especially be able to hone in on what yeah. perceived gift is. So
2: going back to your earlier question, I think that recognizing that earlier, my family was very fundamental in the structure for that burden and for that or for that responsibility. I'd say. Okay. You know, because it's a take us through what that way. structure was. Well, you know, the make all A's, the do well in school, to be able to, if you're going to take up a craft, master it.
0: Because I would always did, did that kind of. Did that feed into that fire of mirror, or was was that also a burden for you on your mind? Mm.
2: I think it's both because, like, my mom to this day redlines my texts. You know. Like I just recently, It's
3: going not gonna. <laughs>
2: right, right. Your opponent no, I'm just kidding. But like no, really. Like she's always like be and her retort is be impeccable with your word. Like it's, I think the relentless nature of it goes to I just heard Angela Ryan on her podcast say a Winston Churchill quote that was um the consequence of res- of greatness is responsibility or something mm-hmm. to that effect. Um, so I think that that was the instillment. That was always the root of the instillment was that like you will not be allowed to be lazy with these things. And what comes with it takes so much that it, it's a training. Absolutely. It's a training in different ways. Even if it's just the ability to be able to talk to anybody anywhere in the world, mm. that is a great, that's a, a refinement for yeah. communication, for knowing
0: And the knowing earlier culture. focus on that, I kind of, it, it breeds comfort. Yeah in those situations. I find you know comfort saying?
2: in the moments that I feel like I'm doing something I'm supposed to for my gifts
0: for mm. sure. That's when I feel
2: the safest, I guess you could say.
0: What was it what was it like coming to LA? Was it was it a different atmosphere? Was it the same?
2: Yeah, I think LA is still the same in a lot of ways, but different in a lot of ways. I mean the world itself is mm. changing. Um but LA has always had a very great ability to instill smoke and mirrors whereas like i think if anybody's lived in like new york um there's a different hustle mentality yeah. the south the midwest west has a different humane mentality because yeah. even for its faults in the south maybe there's still a southern comfort a way with which you cheat, treat your guests or people in your stead that yeah. is very different than cities or metropolises mm-hmm. um you know so i think la has because it's a mecca of Hollywood, has a certain tone sometimes. But I think that that's more indicative of the people who come here with an idea of what L.A. is than it resides with the natives. Because Los Angelinos are some of the coolest people I think you'll meet.
0: Was that aware to you like in the early grades that you started going to Crossroads? Like, So you came to L.A. Where did you guys touch down? Where Culver City, home. like so right Culver by City.
2: Kenneth Home Park, yeah, Los Angeles Rodeo. So
0: the incident happens. Actually, you know what? I want to take it back to that incident. What what the hell was that like <laughs> as a kid to have to go through that?
2: So remember, I was Fightful and Moonwalker. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that in word. Like, For and real? if I did, it was like my cousin saying something that was like familiar, but I didn't know. I was a kid i was first second grade i didn't know what that meant yeah and so apparently i was in a class and the girl told me she couldn't play with them her daddy told her she couldn't play with them oh wow and my mom was like not today Satan." (laughs) she was (laughs) like no not my kid for real yeah and the next thing i knew i i didn't even understand i didn't even i don't Even really remember absorbing it. Yeah, you know, I was more parents' worst nightmare. Right, Uh. I was more so crazed by like, like I'm left handed, and I write straight to this day because I was refused on like the cursive guides that they give you to write at a slant, like awkward. Like I was like, this feels weird. Like, like why I'm going to write like everybody else is writing i'm not gonna be the weirdo i'm already weird enough like come on <laughs> so i was more upset when she would like correct what i was really trying hard to do more so than this thing that i didn't understand yeah and then the next thing i was in a world that i didn't understand and had to you know adapt to wow so yeah mm-hmm. i guess it's a muscle you build and it's easier when you're a kid because you're you're subscribed to less
0: no that's- very true
2: yeah, the older you get, you're subscribed to belief systems that have been put into you. So it's like yeah. that,
0: that unlearning is like ten times yourself, harder, right? You know what I'm saying? Because like our mind is growing and naturally racing in fifteen trillion different places and different thoughts and goals and wants and needs. Like life happens. Yeah. Um, so you so you switched schools. Was it a, a culture shock for you to go to Crossroads? Absolutely,
2: road? absolutely.
0: You know, naturally understanding one's weird but also coming from uh, a family and a community of people that are really kind of cultivating that mm-hmm. if you will um and then going to a school where like not only are you internally weird but you're like whoa this is kind of really weird, weird. <laughs>
3: and it's private school too
2: no, right yeah like, so it's rigorous you're, you're, so you're like keep it up and like, well, apart, like, a, like yeah, all at the like, same time at all moments yeah <laughs> it's
3: like the cultural shock and then Private school where it's like a more intimate environment, yeah. different pressure, different standards, different area, different kids.
0: Like, like naturally as you grow, we're going to get into like – because look, Crossroads is, is, is a school in which th- 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 their, <laughs> there are no their facility and their faculty is is providing a lot more – for kids and you're out of oh. your school. The resource. I just went by they had a
2: twenty million dollar, I wanna say, like roof science deck yeah. with like a butterfly, like <laughs> terrarium or something. I don't even know. But it was something I was like, What? Yeah. Like you know how many kids could go to school on that like what? I always drive
3: by a crossroads as a kid and I was like, man, this school has a roller coaster. On right, yo, I thought I, I, <laughs> I low
2: key like, my cool. <laughs> first few years that I got to the middle and I was I low key thought I was bamboozled because I was like, yo, when we passed that, like going to the beer, I thought it was a roller coaster. It's just a sound wave. Like <laughs> I thought crossroads was, was a theme park. This they take like school for the arts and sciences to like a whole new level because I I definitely thought it was a ride. Yeah, 100%. I totally thought it was a ride as a yeah. kid. But I, yeah, it was. um, <clears throat> I'm not gonna lie, like it's not like a hard road it's just a different level of adjustment um i think the biggest thing it wasn't a shock for the intimacy because it's like middle or elementary school my class was like 30 kids you know so Mm -hmm. going from that to like there were two well elementary school was still the same but by elementary school there were like two third grades two fourth grades you had one teacher the other whatever Mm -hmm. same thing in middle school and then high school is like regular high schools like you have subjects um, so I don't think that was a shock so much as lifestyle. How like, so? These are old Hollywood families. They're current Hollywood families. Mm-hmm. They're just very affluent families. Mm-hmm. Um, my graduating year, 2002, had a lot of people who are popping now. I don't even want to go. But, like, my class is like, what? Like, and And it's weird because then now you enter the space where it's like going home to Oakland or going home to where I live and, like, the other friends that I had outside of school – to talk about normal life sounds like a name drop or like a different Mm -hmm. type of person than who you are, than what you know. And it's like, no, like, I'm just like this dude we watch. Yo, he's (laughs) his dad. And like, yo, that movie coming out, like that's her mom. like And it's, it's weird. People, even to this day, like I have family that'll watch me on social media and then I'll see them at that family event and it's a commentary or questions about what they may have seen. But then it's like, what do you do besides live your life? Like to me, they're people. They're people I grew up with, Absolutely. they're people who we were friends with you know since we're kids and figuring ourselves out i think the weirdest year was seventh grade because you turned 13 mm-hmm. and at a predominantly jewish school it's bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs every other week it's cracking season it's like wedding it's like yeah. wedding season
3: it's,
1: oh, crack.
2: in
3: your 30s is like bar mitzvah season and when you're 13, you're 13 i feel right? like yeah you turn 30 and everyone starts having weddings you're like i could do this <laughs> in in la it's bar mitzvah season at 13. Yeah. it
2: was crazy and it was crazy on so many levels to the point where like you know on a financial level like giving 50, 100 bucks to a kid, whatever you're giving, like every weekend for an entire school year, my mom was like, Yo, who's really your friend? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, Mind you, they were like paying for college probably. already. I know like I know you and
3: Yaakov did that science project. <laughs> you know? But like
2: but do you really but, like that?
3: But you're like, really, but you're really friends yo. with you're better friends with Abraham and Raquel? And Rachel, so yeah. And sh- and sh- 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 Shlomi, nah, we can't yeah. do his.
0: No, I remember Yo. having convos with my mom. It's crazy you say that, cause Yo. she'd be like, no, but she'd, she'd be like, <laughs> I'm Jewish, by the way. Yeah, Mazel tauf, t- like, <laughs> trying, bro. No, but she'd be like, here's twenty, and I'd be like, Oh, mom, I don't. I don't want to be like, that kid. No, because <laughs> it's like it's a bar mitzvah. It's like it's. it's a, it, a, The pivot of the shit. No, but it's true because she's like, you've been to six of these. (laughs) Yo, and
2: then don't let there be two on a weekend. Like, you'll never hear the end of it. Like, you ain't getting no (laughs) toys, no nothing. Don't ask me to go to no movies. You better get the bootleg, man, with your allowance. Like, it was no, it was relentless, and it it was, and it was different too to be from Oakland to have the family that I have. My family is close. Our communities weren't always, you know what I mean. So it was seeing a lot, like, how rich it was. I knew the Torah by, like, the 13th one. So, fast forward to, like, my aunt's married to a Jewish man from England, Mm. and his first son was just Bar Mitzvah last year, and the next one's in April. So, it's like, I knew the Torah and was like, yo, you going (laughs) Baruch (laughs) HaTal (laughs) Unai, (laughs) Malachalam, (laughs) Ah, Israel. Like, yo, people to this day, they're like, yo, like, where you... It's just one of those things. I was in Brooklyn one time, and and I had to learn even that way. I had never been around Hasidic Jews. I had been around yeah. Hollywood Jews. It was <laughs> it was real. cute. They rented out Fox Studios for the party, and we <laughs> was like, okay, was you know, it. like yeah, it was just it was a surreal experience. But because again, I spent all that time in front of Moonwalker and My Fault, like I didn't have an idea of what normal was. Mm. Like I knew I saw a lot of different things, but I didn't know like oh this is like having your party here with this ice cream bar is not a normal thing like i was 12 you know what i mean like
0: you're like wait so, we're not going to paramount and right the whole space like, out? but Save but i four? always
2: i will say my family always made sure like i kept seeing everything and i kept it in perspective and i think even by the time i reached high school there hearing some of like the sixth graders fights were like really you're not gonna be friends with her over this case baby like Come on, be a pal. And then early on, I was that kid who was like, "Do better," you know, like not even on some judgmental like.
0: How was that kid perceived in that setting?
2: I was picked on Mm -hmm. a lot. I'm not. I I I'm probably still to this day not very liked. When people say, "Oh, you're so popular," I don't really understand that because popular when I was learning what popular was, I wasn't involved in that, so to speak. At least from my perspective, like. I was always the one calling out a truth or saying something inappropriate or very like
0: And especially at that young age, that's yeah. like not even like close to being registered right. as truth. Right. And it's I hung out with a lot of surface. adults. Mm.
2: Yeah, like not even like a re like that early on, like just hanging out with so much adults and being advanced. Mm. Like recently I went on a camping trip with a friend who came to Crossroads in sixth grade. We've been friends for decades now. Um, And on the camping trip, she was like, yo, I just met this girl and she reminds me of you. But it's funny because the girl grew up in like a super small forest town with like 12 adults. And she was like the only youth. And she was like, she reminds me of how you were when we were kids. Like you were just so advanced. Like you were sure of yourself. You just knew a lot of stuff. Well, we were just like, oh, is this glue? And I was like, that really kind of put it in perspective. And again, coming back to how my mom like fostered my gifts. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't where other kids, because their parents were in whatever, were like, no, don't do that. Stop, blah, blah, blah. You weren't
0: shy about you.
3: Yeah. It's also hard as a kid, too, because, I mean, you're a kid. You You don't really know anything. But it sounds like from what you were doing, speaking, calling out the truth or calling people out or, or go through that a little bit because... But I don't
2: even think that was it. That, like, yeah, it was just like noticing stuff.
3: Just, okay. Mm-hmm. And it
2: kind of being a line or on, you know, onto, you know how like little kids say the darndest things. Well, yeah, they'll be sure. like, why is she looking weird? And, look, and then ch- it's like children, everybody knows the awkward children moment. Children are
3: ruthless. Though. Yeah. So you would actually like feel comfortable in that space because a lot of kids like will be shy because you're going as you a kid know you always want to be cool right right so you hold back from saying things if anything you actually just agree with like the popular vote like right. if everyone likes this i like it right. yeah the no vote. i
2: never learned that i learned mm. be not necessarily right but be accurate mm. like don't talk about something you don't fully know you, you know no if you don't know the answer figure it out yeah you exhausted a way to figure it out, ask for help. Like it wasn't, there was no excuse to render an ignorance in any way, in any Mm. form.
3: Which is actually like a very positive message. It's just like, you're like, (laughs) you're like like preaching like positivity and like, be better. Like
2: like,
3: kids are like bullying you because of it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want positivity. Yeah.
2: But I, I mean, you know, I, I think that's the most accurate right? I could say it. Like, I never, you know, you're young. You don't think you're reading people or, like, correcting them. You're like, they're saying, sure. did you ask? And it's like, isn't it ask? Like, I'm not being an asshole What the fuck 10. did you just say to me? It's when I say it, my mom corrects me. And yeah. I'm just doing what is being instilled at home. Absolutely. And, you know, the truth is always easier to remember. So, like, if I would notice things, I think it was, it became... It became too much for people. Was it before hard? I knew it was too much.
3: Was it hard for you?
2: Yeah, I mean Yeah. I I I was trying to end life at twelve. I tried. Stop. Like and, and wait, I remember wait. writing an article about it in high school and not knowing it was even wrong to share and then coming out right after you know, the papers released at we had snack time and lunchtime mm-hmm. and the papers released and then walking down our schools on an alley. And walking down the alley and seeing the looks and people reading the papers and it like feeling like an overshare. Like I'd done something wrong, but then I had a couple of kids who were like, thank you for sharing that. You wow. know what I mean? And I think you don't really know what's wrong till it feels wrong or till yeah. you're like conditioned. Like it's mm-hmm. not socially accepted. Um, and I think that going through unique journeys, you you find your tribe through the weirdness. Like you find your tribe through that shared experience, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I think everybody has felt that feeling in a different form. Yeah, Mine just always happened to come from sharing or not editing my mind. And that is crazy to feel Um, when you're in an environment or a social environment that trains you, you have to be liked. And people feel like not to like your stuff. So Mm -hmm. it's interesting because now that like, anti-bullying is such a big thing I think back to the bullies made my wit. Absolutely. The bullies made my strength. Mm-hmm. The bullies made some of my best work. Like I found some stuff I wrote when I was like 12 and I was like whoa she's talking about the trap house but yo this story is well written. Like yeah. the teachers on the, the her comments are like <laughs> "Um, I don't know much about what a run is but like this is really thoughtful and creative. Like I was just I was somewhere else I think and when you're ahead of your time I guess you find it when you need it but Mm -hmm. that isolation also provided again a strength a wit a resilience that I would not have gotten if it was easy and everybody liked me
3: when when you said just because it's so heavy so I you know that you wanted to end life at 12 was that because and, and this is just a topic that I think in light of like what's been going on in especially like with suicide in the in the music industry mm-hmm. and just like that Absolutely. that talk, I'm al- always want to take an opportunity to just speak on it. I don't think mm-hmm. it's spoken enough, to be honest. Okay. And we don't have to.
2: It's okay. But, well, all. yeah.
3: But just in um, as a just just for like the kids out there, how did you? I because th- I think sharing that was big, you mm-hmm. know. And
2: not, you know, like, and you know, we're not. We're going to focus on Okay. <laughs> we, we don't have to.
3: We, we we could keep it moving.
2: No, it's okay. We said we would go deep, so we'll go deep.
3: We we could keep moving and edit this out if you want.
2: Again, we, it's we, always. We're
0: going deep. I do know. Get back on course and <laughs> jump, go. In, jump in that Fisher-Price car and roll to the TV. Cause that's what she's <laughs> in her other car right now. All right. Let's <laughs> rock. Right. So, no, it, it, it's, it's a beautiful point because it's like. Kids go through these thoughts. It, it's well,
2: it's not just kids, it's, it's people of all ages. Or, yeah. Because yeah. No, all
3: ages,
1: yeah. W-
2: I have dealt with health issues that put me on medications that make you depressed. If you're not depressed, <sighs> you become depressed. And I suffered depression again by 21. Like, I think I was having a conversation with somebody recently. Anybody who's experienced depression knows how hard it is to fight every day to stay away from it. Mm -hmm. It is a true illness. It is a real thing that a lot of people cannot overcome. And when anything gets to a level of being so unbearable, you'd rather not live your life if you're not courageous enough. And I'll say courageous enough because it takes a tremendous level to even admit it, let alone to seek help or Mm -hmm. improper help. Not like cope through things that will get you through. Mm-hmm. Um, people are sometimes not brave enough to do it, and that's not a judgment. Mm-hmm. I I get it, but it. But if you've ever known anybody to go through that or be susceptible to that, know how hard of a daily fight that it is. Yeah. And I I'm definitely hyper aware of of the strength training that I've had, and I think I get emotional about it because you remember absolutely at yeah. all times what it felt like.
0: Yeah absolutely what was was that daily fight that led up to it at that moment and what was i kind of want to you know this is a very vulnerable and touchy subject but i feel like you know out there there are so many people that kind of as we go through life have these experiences (laughs) and these thoughts right Mm -hmm. and they feel alone in that you know yeah
2: because people don't share this is hard to share thank you you know, as you share, like I said, like people, people in this day and age and for a long time mistake tears for weakness. Yeah, for sure. And sometimes they're really just for pain. Some things are painful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Some things are hard to reconcile. Some things you don't reconcile until you share them but in a time or a society where we're trained not to share them people hold on to a lot and if you want to talk energy and light work and prayer and meditation and all of these things it's being very upfront with how you feel absolutely at all moments and being present and that takes a level of not only self-work but i think healing sometimes that people don't readily recognize how much you need to be healed from some of the feelings you may feel
0: absolutely
3: like i said i think sharing and being vocal about it as uncomfortable as it may be it's so necessary and i think and it's the re-
2: therapeutic too yeah and a therapeutic. like crying and, is cathartic like absolutely. yeah you know?
3: and and also just like it, whenever you're going through through something as dark as it may be we often feel ashamed for speaking about it it's the whole yeah. idea like if you go see a therapist, it's looked at like something's wrong with you. And we have this like stigma when actually it's, it's one of the most healthy things that probably everyone should do and do more of. But when you talk about something dark and the reason like it's even uncomfortable is because of, of, what society has done to make it that way it's like they shun it they, they make it not okay nah don't be negative or what's wrong with you it's don't like don't
2: be debbie downer don't, don't bring down the party yeah. of coping or, or like something or like or like you're don't fuck up this industry <laughs> yeah. buy these drugs and this liquor yeah. yeah, yeah exactly
3: and so it, it's just important to be more I, I always like encouraging being more vocal especially about those things to make it hopefully one day actually okay yeah. and be like a social norm
2: absolutely yeah no. yeah <laughs> i mean i think it's getting there oh <laughs> yeah. Yes to this group this is how we do the group mid podcast group hub i love you i love you guys no i mean i think it gets easier with time i think sometimes we don't recognize the the level at which we're operating it's sure. not necessarily human, it's mechanic. Um, and I think the more we become in tune with that, and it definitely feels like again a time right now. I think in the future we'll look back at this as a glimmer and all of the awesome changes that came out of it. Absolutely. You know what I mean, to save the planet, to save the human race, whatever. But like it's a lot to be in it. And you never remember that time, you know, in between. You only remember when you got out Mm. and when everything changed and then you abandoned what got you out. Yeah. So it's a process. Yeah. The more people share with that process, the more people can adapt it and, and evolve more quickly because it is, it's a human evolution.
0: Yeah. How did you overcome that? Especially at that age, right? Because what you were 12. Yeah. So I feel like that's a very pivotal, it's like a transitional year, right? And how did that like affect you then? And how did you begin to heal from it?
2: Well, I think even for the reason, too, it's like you get scared shit. Because with me, like I thought I was really doing something by like swallowing pills. I didn't swallow pills that really did anything in my own ignorance. You know what I mean? So it was one of those, like, you can't tell people because they think you're crying wolf yeah you know what i mean and you're being dramatic and then you can't really understand what drove you there besides lack of acceptance mm-hmm. and not being like really you know not really knowing where you fit in when you're trained to fit in it's like what does what does this mean yeah. back home in the bay like because i'm around these kids in santa monica every day like i'm not normal to them and to the kids in santa monica because what i'm exposed to and what i like and what i'm inclined to because it's so different from their culture I don't fit with them either. So I'm forever stuck in my Fisher Price (laughs) car in my own world. You know, like- I was into music. I used to like early on scam those like Columbia House 12 CDs for free real, for 99 cents. I had 19 <laughs> names. Okay. I like they would send me another 12 and yep. another 12 and they never got their the shipping and handling. Yeah. Set, I didn't like, have that Columbia. allowance. Yeah. Be clear. But I knew music. I knew Missy. I knew Eagle Eye Cherry because they were always like you knew nine you wanted, but then you had the extra stamp. So you'd get some <laughs> random shit just like what whoever's cover looked cool yes. was the stamp that was going on the order. Yes. And I learned wildly a lot because all I had time to do, I wasn't getting invited anywhere. I was listening to albums. I was watching movies. I I still to this day have kind of, to like my boss's annoyance, have um, a tendency to relate situations or things i'm trying to explain with um pop culture references yeah. like i'll be like it's this meets this and they're like yo i've never seen that like what is this obscure <laughs> thing you just brought out of nowhere <laughs> like it's I the labyrinth you, meets purple ring <laughs> you don't get that like what what's, do you mean what's wrong with you yeah. well like how, how do you not get <laughs> captain eo meets friends like why yeah, does real. this not occur to you for like real, i i, I did i never I learned that, that mechanism That's it's, like, it's
0: a very similar frequency because like i get called on that all the time because like it'll hit somebody late and just be like
2: yo i had a friend that once told me that when i insult people it's like on some weird ass level that like two days later it'll click and it'll be like hey (laughs) like like in the moment you're like thanks and then two days later you're like wait wait, she just called me a chocolate (laughs) night like what like just my i i i can't explain it i was crazy early was, and my mom didn't help me.
0: <laughs> was was music kind of like an explorative escape for you? Like, oh,
2: yeah. I was, by 12, I my mom made me, because I like music, she made me, she was like, if you're going to do anything, I wanted to learn sax, like Lisa Simpson. She was like, you I need to play it. the piano. And right. I was like, yo, but do you not see Lisa? on, on Like, look at her. Like, yeah. she's cool. She's like, no, you have to go learn piano. So I hated my piano teacher because, one, if anybody's ever had a strict classical pianist teacher... They slap your bridge. This is called your bridge, how you sit, your hand. They slap your bridge with, like, whatever oh, wow. to make the shit stand up. And so it's between your back and your hand. I was sick of being slapped. And I let alone I wouldn't, you. like, I didn't like sitting and practicing because I didn't want to do it. I wanted to play the sax. So I, it was my rebellion. And so... Doo-doo. like sitting there doing drills and like everything she was sign I was not into it then I had a class where I was like yo will you teach me jazz at least if I can't play sax like teach me how to play like somebody cool and she was like no Bach Rachmaninoff whoever else that's what you have to learn so even so far as like she would send me to the national merit trials and everything and I would do cool my category whatever at 12 so like I was learning a different kind of foundation once again at twelve. So by the time I got to Columbia House days and like scams and stuff and getting exposed to all kind of things, I was getting an education. I still to this day have those like big like hundred and twenty C D holders like oh, yeah. yep. I said AJ a picture. AJ used to make these like notorious mixes called the A. Jelly mixes that like <laughs> would have all the hottest like R and B hip hop hits and like just you'd group them and stuff and then don't like when we started driving it was always like Sugar Free, Missy, like DJ Quit, like everybody, yeah. whoever. And it was an education on top of my mom played Cesaria Vora, Jobim, like Herbie Hancock. Wow. Like I had, so my grandfather Super was playing eclectic. Porgy and Bess and Miles Davis awesome. and Duke Ellington and Sarah Vaughn. And so I always had, just like the environments I was seeing, I was being educated in the thing that I naturally loved. Yeah. So it was like, it's weird. So by the time I was able to really like make decisions and like learn in a manner I did, it was like, choosing and then by the time i went to new york it was like yo this is this is what I, I have to do forget school like i gotta figure out how to do this
0: oh wow yeah so did the, did the music kind of lead into your aspirations like what was oh, yeah. that what was that kind of high school to to college transition or high school to now you're into the free world transition like for you
2: Um, I think a lot of people who've been to college can realize like, it's hard to decide what you want to do, whether it's being a major, like you feel like you're committing like so early, you know, like I wanted to be pre med. I went through health stuff. I was like, I'm not with this. Like, then what's the next thing to like my type of family? It was, you know, medicine or law or like be a business mogul. So I went to political science because they didn't have an entertain, like we didn't have entertainment majors. Yeah. you know what I mean like you learned a skill you learned you apprenticed you mentored you whatever and then you you chose a lane it wasn't what it was now and you know you had to still compete for first place like this participation award and I'm different and I could just do anything <laughs> I want to do no go prove to yourself what you could do and then try that like yeah. you don't just wake up and call yourself CEO Absolutely, like you wake up and give yourself a title go learn what you could do and so I had to do that and I think being in LA Mm -hmm. because it is a hyper industry business city. I learned there was a business to music and I learned that I needed to learn from people who knew more than me, you know, and around your friends sometimes it's like you're the one who seeks wisdom and knowledge while they just like go with the norm. So I I chose to go back and forth to New York. I chose to go to school. So my parents would shut up and then I I navigated the best way that I could. Um, But I learned very quickly that there was music and then there was business and music, and mm-hmm. there were two very different things.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Insanely yeah. different things.
2: So, like they need a divorce <laughs> almost. <Yeah>. Like <laughs> they need. No, we need to talk. They need, I don't know, some kind of intermediary, yeah. something. Seriously. Where'd you go to college? UC San Diego. Okay, and, and La Jolla was a culture shock too. I feel really, that just dipping and diving in <laughs> the yeah, culture shock so much. Well, not
3: really coming from Crossroads, La Jolla, like another. I mean, I was aware of it of California.
2: It's kind of. affluent. Like Del Mar yeah. is like one of the beautiful. richest counties yeah. and most beautiful places in California yeah. in the country. Period. Um, but one of the most affluent places in the country, and that's a different level than even Crossroads, for sure. absolutely Absolutely. for sure
3: so so dipping in um into the first steps of the music business Mm -hmm. what was that what were those first steps
2: um so i remember early on like my friends knew execs at like virgin so like aaron melian like we'd go see him at the office and like ask him questions and i was always i would raid the 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 swag cabinet with all the cds and like i would ask questions yeah um was this during college this was bef- right before college because I started okay. promoting in like West Hollywood and like around Hollywood by like 16, 17. But okay, I, I on, was 17 when I hold went on, to college. Yep.
0: Now we got it like oh, a shit. moonwalking back. A moonwalking back. Hold on. Let me get to the own kind of slow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um,
2: okay, but wait, can we pause because the wine's running through me? Hell
0: yeah. Okay. We didn't take any L's, but we bouncing the fuck back right now. What it do? <laughs> 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 Yeah, no, this is beautiful because I want to really dive into this, like, mere developing in the, into the woman in high school. And and as you so eloquently said, this is a, a ratchet period. <laughs> <for me>. uh, <laughs> so let's dive into this ratchet development. Oh, this is Nushi Ratchet coming to you live on Ratchet TV. What it do with it, y'all? Um, no, but so... What I take from that is you started really like diving into the culture mm-hmm. and exploring that. So take us there during this like period in, in, in crossroads, like fifteen, sixteen as you're you're kinda coming up. Yep.
2: And then I had a job at Up Against the Wall in Fox uh, Sales Mall. And if you remember Up Against the Wall, it was like, you know, when streetwear really started to make an impact or shortly thereafter yep. it was like the Mecca for my five mile radius, um in the Fox Hills Mall, where everybody kicked it at, for like the it closed the cool stuff, like what I think um Fairfax and Rosewood became to the culture mm-hmm. Fox Hills was early on just as much as a sloss and I swap feel meet. You and there were certain staples like 5-4 would come in there later but up against the wall was one of the first that like everybody came through from yeah. like the city's lead doughboys to the local hot shots to the most popular kids in school yeah. to like everybody you know and to be able to work there even it was kind of like how Abercrombie and Fitch was like you had to be look a certain way For real. um real. <laughs> Up against you you against weren't the seen wall any was, Persian
0: cats like kayaking in their fucking right. Abercrombie and Fitch? Oh,
2: but I ran a Hollister in New York in Soho, so that was a whole other experience. <laughs> I see, you just,
0: but the, I already know. know the dichotomy of right.
2: It was different. Um, but up against the wall was one of those places, and you know, having the Sergio Valentes, the Frankie Bees, the whatevers at that time, um, iceberg was big. Then um was like the thing, so that enterprising spirit too, being into that culture, seeing the artists early, then having the friends that had the execs at like labels and like, um, who was it? Like Aaron Melian was a virgin. And um, also it was, it was the, the remnants of the time that made me want to get into the music business. Mm-hmm. Like I remember the day Tupac got killed. I, yeah. I kinda remember when Biggie got killed, but the m- day Tupac got killed, I was driving home in carpool, you know, with my white homegirl who had yeah. all the CDs and we listened to everyone back to back. For real. You know what I mean? I had one. She had every single one. I was bowling. And we were and we cried. We had a good cry together, yeah. you know, and then growing up and then working it up against the wall and stuff. I was always kind of looser that I remember um, you know, warehouse and the scene single Wall every Tuesday was like a big thing. I yeah. remember waiting outside for Tevin Campbell, of all people, you know nice. what I mean, for him to sign I, my shout cassette out to Tevin Campbell. single. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I,
1: <laughs>
2: I think, hello,
1: can we
2: talk? Like, let's, you know, it was Tevin, and I waited for him to sign my single. I said hello, and I moved on to the wall and spent my allowance. Like, I always was in the culture naturally. Yeah. Um, and then I was talented and then, you know, I had an inquisitive spirit. So in business, that was everything I, I think early on I would prove. And then I was like a university rep. And then, you know, fast forward to like, uh, 20, I was in New York for an internship and was in it there. Like one of the first people I met the first night I landed in New York, it was forest Renaissance. And we would prove to be really, really close. He was a dude who did, um, a show at Joe's pub Mm. that was called the eclectic ride and was one of the only places that would let Deb Prez perform when they were blacklisted, you know? So this is like, I met him literally in my first 12 hours in New York and we start, he was like, yo, I do this, this, you know, um, what do you call it it wasn't an open mic but it was like i do this live music show like come with us i went to joe's pub and i saw chariot perform and like awesome. i from then on i like did my internship by day and i ran his doors by night and like we, we were libra's we became fast friends and like it was a whole nother am- amalgamation of environments like uh. new york is a different type of
0: what, what city took you out there
2: um okay so i <laughs> This is going to wrap, like, seven different stories. And then Anusha's going to make us, like, tangent. Don't let him. Um, so I, <laughs> Hello. I went to school. <laughs> I finished Crossroads. I went to UC San Diego. And shortly after my freshman year, I dealt with some health issues. That made me take some time off. And in that time off, um, I was watching... Remember when VH1 had Fabulous Life? Mm -hmm. I was watching VH1 Fabulous Life. And Manish Goyal was speaking on it. And he threw one of Diddy's first white parties in the Hamptons. And so he was talking about his company, his event company. And he said, Diddy and events. And I was like, I can do that. And I looked up the website and I sent my resume and I got an internship. And so since I was taking time off school, my mom was like, okay, fine, go. Like, go see what it's like. This was like 2003. Um, My friends out there were still even like in school and stuff. And literally the first day I landed, my aunt, who I was staying with for the internship, uh, lived in Brooklyn in Park Slope. And um, I was like, let me go get my bearings. And so I went to go see where the MKG Manish Goyal Productions office was. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was on 23rd between 5th and 6th which is right at the beginning of Flatiron. (laughs) And I went to see the office. I was like, cool. I'm walking back to the train and Justin's Puffy's restaurant was on that street. And they were doing a promo event for not Fatty Coo, but like one of the The artist signed at that time. It wasn't the locks, but it was somebody else new. And so I was like, and somebody, the door guy was like, "Oh, cute little girl, like, come in. You want to come in?" I'm like, "Okay, why not?" Like, I'm new. I don't have any friends. Like, the (laughs) only people literally I knew in New York were my aunt, uncle. I was staying with. (laughs) So I go in, and this guy Will starts talking to me. Will Benson, wherever he is, doing some crazy stuff. And Will was with Forrest, and they were like, "Yo, we're going to Joe's Pub. It's a, a." music show why don't you come with us so i hop on the cab with them i go to joe's pub which is not far from like nyu and stuff which is where i really wanted to go but mm-hmm. my mom was like you better go to this uc that's affordable for you yeah <laughs> um and <laughs> so uh i was like yo i'm in new york this is crazy i'm going to this event so i went and it was live music it was different conversations like i had never experienced it was an atmosphere like i had never experienced and new york had a pulse Yep. yeah That was more in line with what I was and what I was always kind of not fitting in with Mm because I always was like, what, who, where? Let's like, let's get it. New York was there and Mm -hmm. it was so much at once. And I was like, I'm sold. So because Forrest had the party on that block because his office was across from my internship. So I would do my internship like nine to five and then go across the street and talk mess with forest and they'd be like yo hey, what first. we doing and like there would be times where you know my metro car would run out i would walk from Flatiron to soho and go run the door at pink elephant or whatever and i met a lot of people you know that were in town for the summer from like colleges or just like running internships in the financial district all kinds of stuff like friends i have to this day but living in brooklyn working in the city working in the pace i was working in it, it was another forming i always say i found myself in brooklyn New York. My mom told me when I was leaving, she was like, first of all, you'll come back," and she was like, second of all, New York will make you who you are." Wow. And it did. It's a it's a city that, um, is hard on people. It's a hard. It's a tough crowd, and it um shows you who you are and it makes you who you are because you got to survive to walk down the street. Absolutely. So what you could get away with here is like a totally different place, and like it's funny to this day. People are always like, "You're not from L.A.?" No, I'm from the Bay. I grew up in LA and I was made in Brooklyn Mm. and people don't want you to, to accept, to own all of those. Absolutely. They were very, again, transformative parts of my life who built who I am today. For sure.
3: Mm. It's crazy. New York actually have such a similar story. I went to New York in 2003, lived with my cousin in Williamsburg Mm. and was there for like two years trying to do music shit. Mm. Coming from L.A., I actually went to UC Santa Cruz. So I went okay. to from UC Santa Cruz to New York. went to a school called Baruch College,
0: which was on 23rd and 3rd. Did Yaakov join you over there? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yaakov. Yaakov is a legend. <laughs> Yaakov
0: the legend, yeah. He probably has the
3: illest bar message. Right. <laughs> and I, I, I totally relate with you. There's something about New York that everything is a little bit harder, right? Yeah. I always, I always like to say a little bit
2: more expensive,
3: a little bit more expensive and a little, and a little bit, bit
2: harder and a little bit colder.
3: But what's crazy is everybody like is either like broke or super balling. Right. But because everyone's kind of in the same thing Both. together in LA, you're in your, you go from like your house to your car, to your, the place you're, you're going to hang your out bubble. the whole time. Yeah. New York, you're just thrown into this yeah. mess and the spontaneity that comes from it. Is... And there
2: are millionaires on the train. Like, yeah. yeah.
3: And it's, it's so spontaneous. It's so fun. And it definitely does something to you because that grit and it. it, it oh,
2: yeah, my first man. winter. I think my first winter is like the most formative. It's just like, you know that that scene in Cat Williams when he was <laughs> talking about riding a motorcycle. He's like, if you ride, you gonna fall. <laughs> right. So somebody told me about the ice on the sidewalks. Oh. They were like, You're gonna fall. And I was like, What are you talking about? I got uggs. I got th-. first of all, Uggs don't are not made for snow. Nope. Like, never in no fashion form or but they fooled you because their first round of marketing, it was like sheepskins and Eskimos and yeah. snow and shit. So you're like, oh, I can wear these. And snow. They soaked through and through. Didn't know that. Learned that my first week of oh winter. Then I hit the corner to go to the train and I bust my ass on some black ice. Oh. And the little oh, kids man. on the corner waiting for the bus are laughing their ass off. And I felt like if you ride, you going to fall. <laughs> and I was so... Per- but like New York just like Chicago and a few other places, Michigan, it gets so cold. It hurts. Like you're walking from the train to your job and just like liquids are licking from your face and freezing as they fall out. Like that was a, as a Californian, that was like a whole new, and you got to oh. do what you do every day to, to survive in New York through mm. that shit. For real. Yeah. Yo.
3: Yo, if For you real. shaved, I remember I shaved like fresh, fresh morning shave, walk outside, my face was on fire. I, it was the worst feeling I've ever felt. I was like, yeah, it's never happening again. It, it, that cold is very serious. And
2: New York
0: has such established seasons, man. It's it insane. really does.
2: Like, autumn and fall are one of my are, you know, of my yeah. favorites. They're so beautiful.
0: How long did you stay out in New York that first go So the
2: first time, it was like 2003.
0: It was like a year. Okay. And then I was like, okay. Oh, so,
2: moral story, I, I did finish school. <laughs> I didn't just leave and yeah. abandon my family. I still had the family that I had that was like, <laughs> okay, this is cute and all, but when are you going to get this degree? So I would go back, do a little school, go back to New York, do a little school, go back to New York. So from 2003 to th- 2010, I probably lived there about half the time. Mm. Wow. For sure. At least the better half of the decade. With 2003 and it was,
3: to 2010? Yeah. Oh, I came wow. back here
2: for permanently because I took a West Coast position. So it was Park Slope. Then it was um, Crown Heights. Then it was Fort Greene. Down like four blocks from the park. Beautiful. On Myrtle and Fifth, I want to say where the five spot was. Yeah.
0: What was that journey like for you uh, from finding yourself in New York, that first trip out, Mm -hmm. right? And then what was, and knowing that music and that culture and just kind of that was the world that you wanted to be in what was the beginning of that pursuit like and how was how was that developing just your desires your wants your dreams because now you're a young adult right Mm -hmm. like now you're really like seeing the world as your oyster right um and you're far more cognizant of how you want to impact it even if it's just like an inkling, young, optimistic, yeah. like I'm going to change gonna the change world. I'm going to change the world like everybody yeah. else. Yeah. Um, it's crazy what? you
2: phrase it like that though, mm-hmm. right? Because I got to New York and I got on like the sites and stuff and then I got with like a few headhunters and stuff like that and I ended up at a label and I was working for the president. Which label? Capital. I was working for Lee Trink. I don't know about names. People are in Google shit. So long <laughs> ago. And long story short, I was there a few months and being open and honest and trusting and in that place in my journey of click things, clicking and me getting the experiences I needed. I sh- had co- candid commerce, honest conversations with a colleague of mine who I thought was in it with me, who ended up sabotaging me and wow. getting me fired. Huh. He told, he worked for the vice president and he told um, HR or the, or his boss or whoever that I had shared confidential information that I had because I worked for the president. Right. Yeah. He would only know that because of, sitting next to me and knowing what i had access to Mm. but i never like gave it to him or you know what i mean so when i put two and two together it was such a rude awakening like whoa like you could be yourself and be open and honest with these people and they could this is this is real so i lost my job and then had to find another one and worked in a fashion company and like started acquiring i told you i worked at a hollister in soho i was on the overnight team only because i lied i didn't even have my degree yet that stint and i said i had a degree and they gave me a manager position as a as opposed to the regular oh wow employee position so i got paid a little bit more and it helped make rent in new york you know what i mean and like those type of things like they're so random but all the time like there were employees who rapped and sang and were like sharing their heart on their shift and then i'd come visit home and pick up where i never left off and like worked in the clubs promoted did different things did album releases was always trying at any cost to stay close to what i loved um and at that time it was whoever's was like popping or whatever and then i because i was creative and because i was talented i could also relate to them in a different way than like just the business people could so it was like all at once Absolutely. You know? And I was a kid and candy store and and i was sold off the 90s because the 90s looked so fun yeah You know, And it was so much more extravagant. It was so much more dramatic and theatrical. All the things that I was, it felt like home. It Mm -hmm. felt like where I could actually fit in. And then by the time the 2000s came, it was bling bling. It was flashy, but it also wasn't making as much money as it was. And Mm -hmm. the business changed drastically. So I I learned really quickly, really quickly.
0: How was it being in, in, in the midst of that transition and also having that be... A want of yours like you you know you want to get into this business but you're also coming into it in a time of transition yeah Yeah.
2: um it was it was beautifully tragic because i was Mm. my first concert when i was five um was rhythm nation janet jackson at the what's now the oracle um but was the coliseum in oakland when i was five um and getting experiences in music to meet jimmy jam and terry lewis who i can still call to this day as mentors um terry actually gave me the advice to take the transition from music to tv and film that i just recently did he was like we already saw you do it here go into this bigger pond of entertainment and show us what you could do we know what you could do and i was like okay and i took the dive and it was fulfilling and i think that like those moments you know what I mean? From five to 32 that like come full circle for real, I think um, add to that, right? Cause yeah. it's like, you do a lot of things, you take a lot of jobs, they're all different, but they're all training for something bigger mm-hmm. that you've always seen. And it's a combination of things that you put in alignment when you talk about it. Like I had, the foundation, I had the training, I had the random experiences that made me prepared for random moments, to know the Torah, know how to relate to a Jewish businessman, to know music because I scanned the Columbia House, to know, you know, musicianship because I had been trained and hung out with a lot of musicians and lived next to jazz spots. Mm-hmm. All of these things would come together in moments that um pushed and propelled my confidence, which often got mistaken for arrogance. But it was really just surety. Yeah. Just as much as like, you know, you could hit that bullseye because you've done it so many times. Yep. I had gained that muscle through these experiences and testing who I was. Yeah. Um, and I think early that was why it was isolating because kids are still stumbling to, to figure that it
0: point, out. That, like it's crazy because like that's what I feel like humble is. Yeah. Right. That's the because real like, humble. It's one of those things where I've reached a point like I used to follow by that, you know, I'm humble and this and that. Yeah, we I am, but I don't believe people should be humble about their gifts. Their gifts yeah. and also their aspirations. Yeah. Like humble to me is the work that's put in. But like the the concept of humble, and I forget who brought this to my attention, but like the concept of humble. It it literally is just like it's a fraud. Yeah, you know, humble is essentially just saying it's like, a defense mechanism. How can really. I tell you something without
2: hurting your feelings hurting about your yourself feelings or
0: making you feel the type of way? Yeah. So, let, but that hum, that's humility. Yeah, mm. you know what I'm saying. Like humility is the steadfast pursuit of that crap. For like, sure, humble is putting that work in, mm-hmm. and if you're ever gonna grow and expand in in one of those areas, it becomes like yeah, like. I'm doing this. Yeah, I want to do this. And I've also gone through this.
2: And I've done this thing. Like I recently had to tell a colleague, like what we did before this does not apply here. We're learning something new in new territories. And all of us need to acknowledge we're in a learning period instead of telling everybody what we know and what we did before that does not apply here. And I think humble nature is to have grace with your gifts mm. and to To understand what the weight of your gifts is, humility. To me, is being able to be simultaneously powerful enough to know who you are, but also recognize the genius in others, right? Because I think with any level of gift is is a certain detriment, whether it's social, whether it's physical, whatever. Like look at Stephen Hawking; he's one of the greatest minds on the planet, and he cannot move or walk across the street. And we take that for granted every day. And and he has one of the most brilliant minds on the planet. Yeah. That, you know, to me, I always joke, like, I didn't get body karate. I didn't get a big butt and big chest, like, is of, you know, trend now because I had a mind that I had. I had gifts that I had. I had a wherewithal that I had. That's not a better than. That means that if I encounter you in my journey, you have something in you that is uniquely special to where we can teach each other or we can impact with each other. Either way, I'm cool. Absolutely. You know, I think, like you said, like, people... I'm well aware, especially at this age and the stage of what my gifts do to others. So I can, I can reconcile when someone is for me and takes the time to fill me up. Like I fill them up versus someone who is what my mom calls an energy vampire and just drains on your light, you know? And I don't think any position in life is permanent. You know, people can overcome things, but it's a conscious choice. And just like fighting depression, it's, it's a choice, To get up and fight every day, to become a warrior instead of um, a victim of your circumstance, whether that's feelings or environment or whatever. But the quality of your mind is going to dictate your environment either way. Absolutely. If you focus on that, it works.
3: Did you ever have to have like talks with yourself to keep every that, day to keep that focus? because like mean, the, how
2: do I had one on the way here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like,
3: how do I do that, yeah,
2: No, how,
3: like, how do they do that all the no, time? Because yeah, I mean that it, it's kind of we're talking about it now, mm-hmm. where it's like, and you articulate it so beautifully. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. But as as you're saying it, how do you keep that in line with your focus on going through every day, battling? life's shit that's coming at you from every angle
2: you master your reaction instead of focusing on what's happening because like crazy stuff will happen like for instance i'll tell you a really cool story that happened recently my one of my best friends in the world Niaje, she's fighting cancer right now Mm. right and she's not even like she's one of those people that's private and like to see her become more public with her journey and how she's feeling and how she's become such a warrior spirit has been so inspiring to watch let alone it's a learning mechanism right because I had to reconcile how I had to feel about my friend fighting a disease let alone being not only empathetic but sympathetic to how she's being able to deal and recently we had a very frank conversation where we were talking about that, that switch that has to click in your own mind to heal yourself not only heal yourself but to be of sound mind to be able to to heal yourself mm-hmm. and she literally after the conversation she told me she went into like a deep prayer and meditation and the next announcement i knew from her was she shrunk her own tumor like wow. and i say she shrunk her own tumor because when miracles happen yes it's from god but god sparked something in you yeah. you know what i mean and you got to be courageous enough to do it because it, it is painful it is Our thoughts yeah our mind. and after that when she told me that the first thing i said to her I was like don't forget how powerful you are mm. when you're guided by god unapologetically when you don't let those other people's things creep in you know what i mean and i say that just as much as i say it's a hard thing to do it's a hard thing to master but i think the way to navigate through those things is to focus on who you truly are who you're supposed to be and how to sustain that and everything else comes out because like i told you earlier you get shown through your dreams through what you envision to do what you're supposed to do and then it's all about learning how to do that not like how and like you're going to step out the steps and you just have a perfect mat. Learning how to be the person you need to be to do that.
0: Absolutely. And that comes with just life, right? Yeah. Life itself. Everything. I, well, I want to I kind of like, I'd love to dive into to, to the growth to that because we had a discussion and it's like, you know, around your 30s, you started really hitting and Oh, 30 back is and, a landslide. Right? Whew. I'm over here moonwalking in my 30s right now. Yo, just, I
2: mean, it is a moonwalk if you master it quickly, but like literally from my 30th birthday party yeah. to like the end of that first year, I was stripped of so many people and so many things and really forced and I can honestly say forced into a place of facing myself and facing those things that form you, you know, and, and having been in a depressed place, having been in those places that like self-work is some of the hardest work you will have to do. Like forget what you're running, forget being famous, forget whatever. And that's lifelong. Yeah. And every time you think you master something, you just get all these tests more rapidly to master more. Yeah. Um, And I find that especially with like a lot of close friends, because you know, as we were talking about on the balcony earlier, like, There are no coincidences. There's no mistakes in who you're drawn to and who forms your inner world to shape you. And then the tests and forms of people you need to shed to also shape you and really learn who you are with them and who you are without them. Um, And to really kind of step into that, I think it doesn't matter what you do or how you tell your story. It's always being able to make the choice to try something new to test who you are. Absolutely. Every time. Absolutely. And you find out what you like. You find out what you don't like. You find out what you're strong at. You find out what you need to work on. Yeah. And those things lead you ultimately to where you need to be. And then when you get there, when you listen to the Oprah's and the Jay-Z's are like, if it wasn't for this step that led to this step that led to this step, I would not be this.
0: It's an accumulation of steps.
2: And I think right now, because of the internet and access, we are at an um, unparalleled advantage. Yeah, Because we get to study from the greats while we're in it. And like I told my boss and mentor now, like I'm hyper aware of what I'm becoming as I'm becoming it. Whereas I think back then when you were isolated from the voyeurism of it, Mm. you... Ended up two decades later, there in the proverbial there, yeah, and and forgetting moments of how you got there.
0: Absolutely. What was it like going through that process? Like young, mere early twenties into. It's just, painful. Right, but and I want to talk about just that Sorry. balance of career, being hyper aware of your surroundings, fighting yourself finding out about your circles and just your being and exploring different wants like what i guess what i wanted is like for us to kind of go back into that road Mm -hmm. right and the bob and weave of moments opportunities choices and and in that just the building of I guess experience enough to mm-hmm. be at a point where, when realization hits, like it, yeah. it really means something because you dove in.
2: Okay, so so I don't overtalk. I'll I'll bring it down to like three things, right? One, journal. If you write it down, you can make it happen. Whether it's a dream. Like I've scared myself sometimes to the like measure of accuracy. I've written something down and then it happens just like that. Like and it, you forget because you might not look at it every day or whatever, and you come back to an old journal and you're like, Whoa. Like, yeah. And you remember the timeline. Um secondly, I would definitely say that there like you always have a choice, right? Like there are moments where, um, it gets painful it gets hard but i think that one of the best pieces of advice i ever got was that one you can choose to be in joy and whatever you're experiencing now that equal joy is on the other side of
0: it absolutely
2: right so it's kind of like like if you really think about it like if we didn't know what bad was we wouldn't know what good is if we didn't know what dark was we wouldn't know what light is yeah. like you always need to know the opposite of something so i think when you think of something and when you Get a dream from God, or however you believe it, from your destiny, what fate, whatever. To get there, you have to see the opposite of it in all forms, and um, I think that in in retrospect, people don't realize like it's a lot when you're in it, and it's hard to like see up. But then when you get out of it, you're like, "Whoa, that was quick!" Yeah. Like, "Yo, this happened. This happened. This happened. It was quick." Um, and then I think the last thing is being being open and that requires of like the moments that are creepy and scare you to death Mm. (laughs) lean into it somehow because they're usually the ones that prove the most beneficial and like lead you to the most um and that is hard to like you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable
0: Mm -hmm. very much so for sure yeah
2: that's like the theme to life Get comfortable being uncomfortable, and you'll get through it much easier. Yeah, but if you like focus on exactly how you need it to yeah. be,
0: it never it's you'll never constantly be way. disappointed and it'll yeah. be
2: ten times more painful.
0: For it's sure. just perpetual floods, like yeah. it's crazy.
3: When you're in the music realm, going through your twenties, did you have like an actual focus and direction of who you wanted to be in the music industry, or you were just, were you just kind of navigating those waters and flowing with it?
2: Um, I was flowing with it because I didn't know better and I tried to get and I've always tried to get things to the most simplest I could possibly think of them. I call it like the nucleus idea, the Mm. thesis sentence. I just wanted to see the world through music. Um, and I started get, to get to do that. Like before I got to like travel internationally, I got to just see all sides of people and like worldly things, whether it was in New York where I'm on the train at 4am and I meet people from Georgia, not the state, the country. Yeah. And I never knew Georgia existed. And then that leads me to like really buying a globe and like studying the world and like learning where people are from in mm. New York. You know, you walk down the street, you meet a hundred cultures, um, so I was always like going to different realms and that's the coolest thing about New York too is I lived there off and on for 10 years and I can still go and discover a part I never knew about, you know what I mean? Like every pocket had some different corner of the world in it almost and that be- makes you kind of be exposed to things as well as being in intermittent creative environments where you're seeing somebody's humanity expressed through creativity and the the worlds that they go through through that, you know, mm-hmm. it's a it's a very dope approach to human exploration as much as traveling is for sure. And I think that that through music, which if you think about it is the most universal language was eye opening because yeah. you got to see what it did and impacted around the world. And then you got to see what it did in the creation of it and people's, you know, therapy sometimes.
3: Yeah. Cause I think we go, we get so caught up in like who we want to be in our mind, like, or what we actually fuck who we want to be what we want to do versus who we want to be.
2: I never had an idea of that. I was like, just stay close to it. Like work in a record store, work at a label, work for an artist, whatever. Like by the time I took my job at ASCAP, getting that office, my boss gave me a corner office. And I, like I would literally see in writers that came to meet with me more the reaction of what it meant Mm -hmm. than I had ever dreamed of. Like I'd never seen myself there. Like thought of those things. I didn't have that model. You know what I mean? I wasn't watching that on TV. I didn't have that in my family, so I didn't know what that meant or what it was to mm-hmm. want any of those things. I just knew I wanted to be close to it. I knew I wanted to be creative. I knew I wanted to spread love. I was like hippie kid, kind of, and I, I knew that music had a vehicle, and whatever that vehicle entailed, just let me close to it.
3: Yeah, it's just like when you get wrapped up in a career of like there's so much pressure from for a lot of people there's so much pressure of you making your career choice. Right. Mm. You know, in music it's like oh I want to work for a label, I want to be a label exec or right. an you know, artist, I want to get signed. I want to get wanna, signed. Yeah. All these things that are like very specific and that's your path and you do everything to stay on that path. Right. In any career it's like yeah. being a doctor, being, you know, an a agent lawyer. whatever, lawyer and Sometimes with that, it it seems one of the things that uh, you've gone through is kind of you let go of that and actually like moved with your surroundings and your world, Mm. but holding on to kind of one common core
0: um, and was free with that. And was free with that. Understood, like the awareness though to understand that you along this way have no idea of what you really want Mm. outside of to be close to it, but being comfortable um
2: but that's also really scary like i don't want to be little too like er- like earlier when we were talking about how i felt as little kid is like i learned a lot of lessons the hard way yeah because i didn't know better in like the normalized social realm Absolutely. or let alone like corporate or professional realm sure. i just was a free spirit who knew what i loved knew what i was passionate about knew what i was good at and just like set out there i think that um Things that I learned in that manner or even probably still how people perceived I did things yeah. um, don't fit into those norms. But also we're in like we're in a special time. And it's I, I think it's a difference between um, I always ended up OK and on my feet because I was honest to those things that yeah. I felt were more important, like integrity, character and 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 holding true to who I was and not what somebody else was making me to be because of who they felt which again comes to my foundation and my family and what i was reinforced with when i did have bad days but that does not mean i had bad days and i think that a lot of people find it easier to cope with what's taught than to being ostracized or isolated by those things by not playing the game as you're often told absolutely when really we're in a time where being as unapologetically you really draws what you truly want or need. That's mm-hmm. scary. It's scary, it's scary to be, to to be
0: unapologetically you. It's really terrifying. Is wild. It's Lina. very wild, Lena. <laughs> <Lina. Yeah. laughs> no, no, it's, it's very wild. Yeah, but that, that's the that's the biggest thing is because that fear and that pursuit paralyzes people. Yeah. Now whether it's, you what
2: is it, uh, fight, flight, or what are the three like realms? Uh, well, you know,
0: fight, flight, and Fashigadale.
2: No, there's there's a third one. It's like fight, flight, or freeze. Mm. Fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah. Um, and, the, the, and those are literally what happen in your, your journey. And
0: I really think like one of the biggest things and the reasons it happens is because what, what Joe was speaking about previous is when we truly feel like we're searching, right? Naturally, yeah. we're searching. We're all scared shitless. Yeah. Like on this path, we all really don't know what we want. And sometimes the thought of, okay, I need to do this to get to that next step, and what, how will I stay on this straight line and get there? This decision is so big because my step A-1 is what I'm looking for to get to Z.
2: When you really lean into things, you have to always oscillate between being scared shitless and being comfortable with uncomfortable
0: yeah
2: and like learning how to like navigate what this means like if you became spider-man and all of a sudden we're like and blah 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 and a web shoots across the wall you're like whoa and then you're gonna like play with it and then you're gonna like really learn how to use it and then like next thing you're like flying between the building you know what i mean like it becomes a difference and it's always a choice like, do I stay truly humble and like know what my gift is? Like if we're all X Men and you could fly and you could jump far yeah. and I can freeze time. Like we're all gonna respect what everybody else could do because like rock, paper, scissors, everybody can win. Right. So it's like it's it's a different grace with power. It's a different um familiarity, I'll say, because it's not really a comfort because you're comfortable being uncomfortable, but it, it becomes a familiarity, like, okay, I know what this feeling is mm. when I do this. I know what this feels like to be built filled back, filled up with this experience or this person or this interaction or this relationship. Yeah. And then you start to have to choose what you want to feed. Mm. Deep. Such I, I, no,
0: Deep. Yeah, he's over For real.
3: No. It's 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 crazy because one of the things that like I I've dealt with a lot and is fear in general, you know, and identifying what that is. Yeah. You know, is it money? Am I scared that if I make a move, I'm not gonna be able to pay my bills and I'm Mm. gonna be on the street, which obviously like you play it out in your mind, it's not gonna happen. Yeah, my mom's on the couch. But or is it like? Do I am I scared of how people are going to view me now? Mm. You know, I worked this hard. I've done these accomplishments. Why am I not where I should be? In my own eyes, or, yeah. What does that mean? Like all these things start running through your mind, yeah. and to, it's it's to be comfortable with that is just something that is is feels like it's impossible.
2: I mean. What is the, like, meme? Like, impossible means impossible, like. Yeah. I'm possible. I'm <laughs> possible. Uh, Get the, it? Right? Yeah. I can do it. Um At the start of this year, I switched industries. And to a lot of my peers, I even had one say to me, like, I was trying to find a shift from music to TV and film. Because um, I had been in a, a kind of public corporate position. And I, like, I needed a change. And I also wanted, I saw that music was kind of, um, like, yeah, streaming is advancing, but the music business was kind of reluctant to evolve with what was happening in technology. Absolutely. And, um, you know, whereas I used to learn through PBS or like Ghostwriter shows like that and like visual learning, too, that was making a comeback instead of audio learning. Like it went radio. You know, through the depression and baby boomers, and then it was visual learning, like '80s babies, millennials, Generation yeah. Z. We all like had all kinds of shows. A lot of latchkey kids in those generations that learned through TV. And now we're going back to like podcasts and audio learning, and also visual learning again. Like it's taking on a whole. You can get VR now and like experience some stuff that you've never experienced. Um, so I think there's a a responsibility with that to like we've been talking about teach what's really real. <laughs> And also expose people to other things as, at the same time, you know, almost inspire them how how to become um, knowledge seekers and, and explorers on their own. Because that's more valuable than like forcing a lot of information down their throat. And so I wanted to make the switch to TV and film and literally was presented with an opportunity that was like... I had who I had always been dangled through an opportunity in one hand and I had who I had been writing down in those journals Mm -hmm. and praying to become in another and, um, everything I wanted, I kind of got in a new position and jumped, you know, over to TV and film. And before I knew it, I was doing development and was giving notes and doing all these different things that were, I was able to do because of training through other things that I had been through. Um, and as scared as I was to take that leap, as soon as I got there, I was, um, Affirmed, I guess you could say.
3: What makes you? What's at that moment where you do take those leaps, like in your in your path in your journey from the things you've done? The, dive into those moments of the talks you have with yourself when it's so much easier to stay. Right. You know, there's stability, there's certainty, there's a paycheck, there's probably you know if you stay in that, that position for a little so longer, be
2: really weird and not that deep. <laughs> so you're
0: like yeah whatever did you look i flipped a coin and it was like i knew it was gonna be (laughs) head
2: did you play like video games when you were a kid like super nintendo nintendo yeah yeah, so i played super mario and donkey kong and stuff and i when i get to those moments i'm like you beat this koopa like you got it you know what i mean like other people saying new levels new devils yeah like
3: hold up she just said it's not gonna be that deep. New levels, new devils. <laughs> What's up? Like, new levels, that's the title of this episode. You just dropped the title. Of,
0: new levels, new devils. New levels, new devils. I not that mean... deep. Yeah. Not yeah.
3: Dropping, dropping devils and levels.
2: Yeah. Fuck out. No, but like Hell. But really, like cool like every new world you got to, it was like the desert world. It was the underwater world. For it sure. was the castle world. It was whatever. Like you got there. They were new dressings new details same lessons. and if you hadn't learned the lesson of how to whip out that feather right at the right time and swipe that fool or like whatever you were gonna keep dying and have to keep redoing the world so i oftentimes to get through the unimaginable to get through
0: always when something real is about to go down (laughs) we get the sirens though
2: it's fire fire shout out to the (laughs) sirens (laughs) oh this is real what's happening one day I want an ambulance. to ambulance. Yeah.
0: That's what's going on.
2: Is it a cop? They might not be. No. Oh, <laughs> well, it's gone. Um, yeah, so you you have to learn the new things to beat the new level king. And the faster you learn that it's more the like mechanism or the method than what you're actually tackling, it mm. becomes easier. And by easier I mean, more you're more skilled at handling it because you're really mastering your reaction you're not like mastering what you're doing
0: absolutely along the way no being somebody that you know was very aware of a multitude of gifts Mm -hmm. and how each one of them kind of grew and came into play and really helped develop that full breadth of possibility Mm -hmm. in your world were there times, even when you were transitioning, where you really had to speak to yourself and, I don't know how to say it, like, put some of them aside, but focus far more diligently on specific gifts in certain moments?
2: Yeah, I think um, everything kind of has a moment. Um, and then there are some times where you're working on different muscles as once. It's just, like, working out. like. Yeah. I I personally find it better to like hike or like go run on the beach than I do to like go to a gym and work on machines because like battling the elements just like life is a little bit more fortifying to Absolutely. me and my body. Um, So I think that like dealing with things is the same thing. And, you know, whether it's like your repetition and you're practicing how to be really good at something, it's just as much as being poised in difficult situations. Like I'm not perfect in any ways. I think for... You know, like I said, you recognize the genius in everyone. And for my level of genius, like I have social deficits that I work on every day because I never have the intention of like hurting anybody or offending anybody. Sometimes I don't know my own way like that or how, what my power Mm. does to someone else. I learn that through their reaction. And you don't know until you experience it. I once had a friend who was like, There's one thing to think you're great or like you're on the way to greatness. She was like, You say it all the time. And I'm like, it's like Muhammad Ali. I'm going to say I'm the greatest till I am the greatest. You sure, know what yeah. I mean? Like that, speaking it is believing it, too. Mm. Writing it down is believing it, too. You know, Gaga used to say in her early shows, I lie every day until I make it real. You know mm. what I mean? Like, she went from, what was her name? Stephanie Giannopoulos or something to Lady Gaga. You mm. know who the fuck she is. Now she, she went from born this way to beautifully sculpted. Yeah, and performs with Barry Manilow and has Thanksgiving specials, and the world knows her name. Like, I think even that level of what people think that they want takes a different type of individual to sustain, and that's the difference. Is those choices at every moment? Am I going to be scared out of getting everything I need to get out of this experience, or am I going to lean into that fear and see where it leads me?
0: Looking into the future, what is it that you yourself, in conversations with you want or aspire towards at this stage? Because now it's like you've had this whole path up until now and reached a fork in the road and knew exactly the direction you wanted to take. Now what it brings only time will tell. Yeah, right. Um, but what are what are some of the wants that you have right now in just looking at what your future entails?
2: um Well, it's funny because I used to say like, like when I wanted to be an artist and when I wanted to do music, like, oh, if one person says my words or, you know, knows my lyrics and lets me or knows my words from my thoughts and my yeah. experience and says that it helped them, I will have won. You know what I mean? Here I am, years later, and I, I have a lot of people like that. I have a lot of people I still keep in contact with, and I think. The more you study greatness, the more you realize, like, even if I'm responsible for inspiring it in somebody else, that's a success. Even if I'm in a position to help somebody look at something a different way, that's a success. Mm -hmm. I don't think it looks like any one way. I think that right now in the time that we're in is a spiritual fight. So the more that I can inspire people to lean into their spirituality and their belief systems and, and knowing who they are and what they are in the grand design, that's a success. Yeah. Um, and if that means being unapologetically me or if that means sharing wisdom or sharing my story or if that means encouraging whatever it takes, like, you know, my mom, my name, Mir, means peace and world. My middle name, Canone means... Um, it's a Buddhist deity that protects humanity. And mm. I always joke with my mom, like you named me for so like no pressure. But like <laughs> I, I find throughout my journey, like those are the positions that I'm set in to either learn about humanity, teach about humanity, or help humanity. And and it is what it is. And I think you have to, like I told my friend with cancer, like you have to go crazy to get your sanity. And what you see in your head isn't isn't all the way crazy. It's meant for you. So you gotta figure out what parts to keep and what parts to push forward and feed.
0: Mm -hmm. If you had, right now for you, if you can go back to 12-year-old Mir, right, (sighs) and slip a a note that you'd written now Mm. into her locker or into her backpack, what would that say?
2: So you know what's crazy? I picked this up as I was saying that, and then you asked that question. So my necklace... Says what you think you become, what you feel you attract, and what you imagine you create. Mm. And when I saw it, I was like, that's kind of like what has always been tried to be taught to me, what I'm finding to be true about a journey and what, you know, people need to really understand, right? Because, like, even right now, like oh the energy and the vibe and like light work I'm on the journey baby it's right <laughs> it's so much yeah. adulting uh, um, <laughs> they're trend words right but like the laws of attraction like when the secret came out my mom raised me Buddhist I kind of left that part out right so like my grandparents yeah. my mom <laughs> oh wow used to try to you know take me to Sunday school and I would like have debates with the Sunday school teacher and then my mom raised me in SGI's Buddhism in Nichiren Da Shonin's Buddhism it's and um, Santa Monica at the World Culture Center and my then mom, f- my mom my mom's Buddhist. She-
3: shut up. Are you yeah. a fortune baby? No, I'm not. okay but My mom does Nam Yoharing Yes, quote, twi- the mystic twi- twi- law of the two universe to time, Two to three times. a day. She's at SGI every weekend. Wow. I'm mom
1: plenty
2: of times a Oh yeah, not- A, B, and C. So it's I'm a fortune baby. Right Look yeah. at that. So yeah, I'm yeah. A, my mom has been a Buddhist since she was 18. I was born into the faith, so that means I'm a fortune baby. Um, so going back to discipline things like master disciple study discipline like these were things that were inherent in the faith that i was exposed to i danced in rhythm nation i was like in the groups like that was my earliest memory i was gojikai when i was a baby which was like a buddhist baptism kind of mm. um and i just always had that different kind of outlook on it on how to self-reflect like yeah. i was the kindergartner the kid hit me or bit me and my mom was like but did you self-reflect <laughs> like
3: like such a core what
2: yeah. like I, <laughs> what did you now. do like, it, it makes sense <laughs> to make that kid bite you yeah. like that was it wasn't like oh baby you we going yeah. you know, till the principal with the n-word and that was something that was like okay wait uh-uh. you know but everything yeah, well. else was karma it was the law of the universe it was cause and effect um, and so I think I yeah my bad that was like a super crucial part to leave out of the formation but yeah I I learned backwards I guess you could say that respect
0: that's incredible I yeah. I love that
3: that you're actually saying it now it like really ties the knot on this because it's yeah I mean it's such a core of uh, how you're brought up yeah for like, sure B- Buddhism is uh, it, there's different types and that type is very much reflective like, oh well absolutely.
2: SGI is the only religious organization one of the only in the world that annually submits a peace treaty to the UN, right? So it is a lay organization. It is philosophy. It's not a religion. nam mm-hmm. myoho because and effect. Karma, those are things that no matter if you believe in God or you've been Christian or whatever, those are, are life- world universal principles Mm. of how to treat people how we're interconnected how there is a collective consciousness how you know whatever you do will come back tenfold in a different form so that you receive that how you are supposed to master your reaction those are buddhist principles absolutely um and they're you know i feel like more more guidelines they've been more consistent in my life my relationship with god is fairly new in the scheme of things um and that came through Doing things that that foundation in Buddhism taught me to do in terms of being compassionate for human suffering um, and what that means in relation to each other.
0: Beautiful. That's incredible.
1: Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> 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 I had you can't. Lie. <laughs> Sorry.
2: That's incredible.
0: <laughs> Long pause.
2: <laughs> Awkward silence. That was weird hmm. and
0: sweet. This has been absolutely phenomenal. Truly. Gems on I, gems truly, on gems. Truly, truly. <clears throat> for real. And thank you so much for coming here and sharing your light with us. Uh, I can't wait for you know, the community and just culture in and of itself to have this for mm. them. Um, it's going to be a beautiful thing. And it's an absolute honor to have shared this moment with you. And shout out to your mother. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, shout out and to being that she's Michelle. To
2: it. Eyes open, M. I'm gonna get her a whole I, I bunch think, of followers. I think we should
0: give her the yes, let's the, give her, the, let's the, give the, the intro groove.
2: <laughs> Thanks, Mama. Mama, we made
0: it. Are you ready? So look, we gave we gave, <laughs> her, we gave her the round of applause, and now we're all gonna do this together. We're bringing you ready. The beginning oh, the theme the song. This is full okay. Circle. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. And we are gonna try it. Uh, Mama! Mama! We, we made, made
2: it! it!